Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take skin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on the option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture even, love, and life in New, in York, New City. York City. I am Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell, and we are back again with an absolutely iconic special guest. But before we get there, because I know that we, I don't want to waste too much time, um, but I, we do need to just kind of catch up on everything that's been going on. Of late. It's been a couple, it's been like a wild couple weeks for yes. sure. And a sad couple weeks. I mean, I hate to like start this out on a downer, but I feel like, like we were just talking earlier, like 2020, it, it feels like you're like a pinata that just keeps getting hit with a baseball bat. Like it is, and there's, and there's no candy coming out. They just keep hitting you because it's like one thing after another. And unfortunately we lost several important figures in the music industry, in the history of America. I mean, it has just been, it's been brutal. I have to say like this past week was rough with obviously the sad, sad, sad loss of Naya Rivera, most known from Glee. Uh, that was devastating. Absolutely shocking. And we, we strayed away from talking about it last week because I think there was a part of me that still held out hope that she was okay and that she, she something had just I don't know. I know it was delusional, but I just am someone who always tries to look for hope and like hold on in some way. And I mean, what she meant to you and I, Connor, I mean, especially you who really connected to Santana. I, know, for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why. But she I think like she, you could tell she put a lot of herself in that performance. And and when she starts singing, I think the Madonna episode of Glee season one is when we first heard her sing. She just had a gift. I mean, unbelievable. Some of my favorite Glee covers are are from her i mean i mentioned this last last time we talked but like her cover of songbird by fleetwood mac mm -hmm. her cover of mine by taylor swift what shake it off by florence and the machine like truly she she could do it and she i, I remember there was like a few years there where there was like rumors about her like feuding with leah michelle or all these different things that were like there was like drama and it it kind of made it seem like Naya was difficult. But as I'm like learning about her and learning about like what her castmates had to say about her, I think she was just a completely real, completely upfront, no bullshit person. And mm -hmm. there's not enough people like that in the world. And I think it's especially hard to be like that when you're a woman because people immediately call you difficult or, you know, a bad Expletive. word or something. Yeah. yeah and I think that like she just kept it real and she, like I, I was listening to this interview that she did with a couple of her glee castmates and they were just saying that like she would be the first person to be like something's wrong like you you're not eating or i can tell that you're you've been down lately like what's going on and i think that can be polarizing but i think like what a gift to have that as a person to be so upfront and uh in touch with others and yourself and i know that she loved her her child and it is truly a tragedy and um may she rest in peace but her legacy does live on and mm -hmm. i know we were talking with our friend poot about how her second act was coming like there was certainly something i would have always loved to have seen her on broadway or some sort of musical film something because her star power was just there actress and star actress and, and star um, i just so sad. I'm like rambling about Naya now. No, but. I I think it's important to eulogize her and celebrate her. And something that I've been thinking a lot about is how I, I just hope she knew how much she meant to the world because so often we only celebrate those once they've passed. And I see all these pieces of the 10 best covers she did on Glee or what she meant to Latinx queer kids and I hope that she knew all of that. And I think that we really need to pay respects and be grateful and tell people how much they're loved because the time is so short and not to segue too much. Oh my gosh, our guest just held up their mug and it says you are loved and that I have chills by the, by the cosmic connection there. Okay. We're going to, we're going to get into it. But, um, I also have to, to mention, you know, Nick Cordero, a, a beloved member of the Broadway community, one of the most generous and kind people. I had the chance to work with him on his 54 Below solo show last year. And I just remember 
him being down for everything. I remember his beautiful wife, Amanda, and I remember how excited he was to be- become a dad. She was very pre- either very pregnant or just about to give birth to Elvis around this time. And he was so worried that no one was going to come to his show. And he had two nights and they were both packed. I'm going to cry. I can't. The, the world is now mourning him collectively. And it's just, you know, one of those things, like it was by no fault of his own that he, he got COVID and we didn't know what, we didn't know enough yet. And I think, you know, we'll include links and everything, but if anyone has any money, any little extra something while the, while the weekly 600 stipend with the unemployment's coming through still, um, and hopefully it gets extended, please help this incredible single mother, Amanda. Now she is, her positivity through all of this has been remarkable. And I don't know, I, I will support her forever. And she's also an Ohio girl, what, what, like us. So we gotta, <laughs> gotta, gotta have that connection. But, you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be hard enough to be in the industry and then to have something else like that happen is just unthinkable. So our hearts are with Naya Rivera's family, her son, and with Nick Cordero's family and his son. And it's been rough, but, you know, we have to just keep looking towards the positive and love one another and stay true. Is this like a Sunday church right now all of a sudden? Like, what's <laughs> this happening? This is a Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. <laughs> but you know what? I think, like, the, the, the good thing that I'm reminded of through all of this sadness is um, the idea that we do need to be as present as possible and as loving as possible with the people in our lives because it could be over like that, you know? So... Uh, I mean, I suppose it's not a good thing, but it is, it's a, a a nice reminder in this time of sadness that um, I can do better in my life and try to express love and take it, you know? Anyway, okay, we're being drama. There is someone here with us today who I think exemplifies love, exemplifies care, is also a mother, and is someone who I know that literally thousands of people around the entire world, and we'll explain why look up to this person and love our guest today. We are so grateful to Haley Pichoon, former guest, friend of drama. Yes! Our dramatic sister, as we've called her, um, <laughs> who has connected us today. And Connor, I would love for you to read the credits and bring her in. Here we go. All right. Our guest today has been defying gravity and records as the distinguished person to play Ms. Elphabethrop in Wicked in more countries and companies of the show than anyone in the history of wicked before she could fly she danced having begun her career as a child on the national tour of the king and i she went on to be a dancing queen in mamma mia her powerhouse vocals came through as she then joined the las vegas company of the queen jukebox musical we will rock you covering the lead role of scaramucci she became the green girl in what has been a 13-year journey as she's appeared in wicked on broadway London, Chicago, on both the first and second national tours in Seoul, Korea, and Sydney, Australia. She's the mother to her beautiful daughter, Jules, bestie to our lovely friend and former guest, Haley Pachoon, and will likely always be cleaning off specks of green makeup forever. Please welcome to drama, Jenny Jenny Denoya. (laughs) Thanks, guys. It's so good to be here. That was a really nice introduction. Thanks. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. We're so happy to have you here. Like I've known who you are for probably as long as I've known what Wicked was. That's, mm-hmm. that's so wild yep. to me when anybody ever says that. I'm like, you know who I am? Like, I don't know. It's just like. <laughs> An iconic Alphaba and actress and star who has just like you've like remained a part of the conversation and the zeitgeist for so many of us for so many years. And I don't know how your voice has maintained. I don't know. I don't know either. Honestly, <laughs> I have no clue where it comes from, but it's like instinct. It just like kind of kicks in. Um, wait, really quick, Jenny, oh before gosh. we jump into talking about Wicked and your fabulous career, did you watch Glee when it was on TV? Oh my gosh. Yes, I did watch Glee. I loved it. I thought it was so fascinating and uh, it was it was perfect for the time when it came out because we needed to have like people coming to theater and loving theater and that generation like your generation grew up loving that which I think like it, it just infused like our live theater world with like TV theater like perfectly together I loved it 
Yes, completely agree. It was like the marriage of theater and just the cast, of course, had so many Broadway, um, you know, your your green sister, Adina Menzel, for example, was there and just so many different icons. But yeah, so that whole thing with Naya has just been absolutely crazy. I know, hearing you guys talk about it, it's just, it's so, it's just so sad. And um, I think she probably did know how important she was because it seemed like her friends that have been speaking out more recently, like they really appreciated that, that raw honesty that she always would give. And something about her that I always was just so like connected with her because her eyes are so like deep and like magnetic. Like, it's just like, you have to watch her when she's on screen. Um, and it, it is so sad. And, and especially for her little boy who she was very, very, open about how like being a mom was her biggest and best role ever and how she loved it so much. So it's just, and being a mom myself to a four and a half year old, it like makes me get choked up thinking about mm-hmm. him. Oh, it's just so sad. Yeah. And you, you have a daughter, Jules. I do. I do. She's, she's also magnetic as well. And I'm madly in love with her. She's, she, teaches me more than I could ever even describe in words, but this is her self-portrait. Oh, gorgeous. You have an artist in the house. Yeah, she's a little painter. She's very creative, which I love. Um, And in so many ways, not just like, she loves music, she loves art, she loves, you know, playing pretend all day long. I love that sense of wonder that kids have. It's so remarkable. Amazing. It is, it really is. Does she know Wicked? Like, has she seen pictures of you as Alphaba? Yes, she actually came to see me in Wicked. It was, I wish I could post the pictures, but she took the paintbrush and painted her face. <laughs> I'll show you guys later, but um, when I can find it. But yeah, she came with one of my babysitters. This was maybe last year around this time. And uh, she watched the entire thing. I could not believe it because we had her sitting at the, the back, like in the, the sound booth. And, you know, I, I just, uh, I was nervous that she was going to like throw a fit or, you know, be like during I'm not that girl screaming, like the one child that has to be taken out of. Always, right? Yeah, always. But um, she was fascinated. She loved it. And she really like got some of the things. Like later on, she, she has this doll that, one of the dressers made for me a couple years back and it's a it's an alphabet doll and she calls it mommy doll and she was like holding it after the performance she was going <laughs> with the head like and wiggling the head and um toss toss and uh, she now does it she she can do the full toss toss uh <laughs> but she when she was really young when she was like maybe uh she was eight months old, I went back to work. This was my first time. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Which, what? I know, I know. I Well, I was pregnant with her while I was, uh, so I went to London. I did, I finished my West End run. And then I came back. I was home for about a week and a half, got pregnant. Um, didn't know. And I went out to LA to close the first national tour. And two weeks into my run there, I was like, oh, I feel a little funny. Like my voice feels different and sure enough I was I found out I was pregnant there and I finished playing Alphaba there for like five weeks and then I came to Broadway to fill in for the Alphaba for another four and a half weeks maybe so I played Alphaba for my first trimester which was so wild (laughs) um and different um but yeah so she's she's been on Broadway Jules has been on Broadway already. <laughs> she has. She's flown. She's flown a few times, yeah. Um, but yeah, she so she watched me get painted when she was about like one years old. She was just like fascinated by the paint, but it didn't scare her. So I was just grateful for that. But yeah, that was a long-winded answer to that. No, one, not at all. That is so cute. And you know, I'm thinking about the book Wicked by Gregory Maguire. Elphaba does get pregnant in, in the book. Oh, wow. See, yes. I told myself, because I, I joined the show in Chicago, and I was like, you know what? I know the book is very dark and different, and the musical is, they're, they're you know, the same-ish story, but they're, they're very different. 
Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to read the book when I'm done with the show. And now, <laughs> 13 years later, I have still not read the book. <laughs> That's so funny. I really do consider them to be so different. And I won't say anything else about it just to keep you leave some surprises out there. But I remember when I was like, and just wait till you find out who the father is. Mm -hmm. It's like a Jerry Springer special, honestly. But um, (laughs) um, the uh, I remember being 12 when 12 or 13 when we discovered Wicked and thinking, oh, there's a book not a book for a 12 year old. It is so dark there. The the animal characters are prime, like very, very big characters in the book. Anyways, I don't want to talk about it too much. But I remember like having to like justify my love of Wicked and like the the book and thinking, oh, they're, they're just different. Like I just have to accept that they're different. And it's really interesting. Elphaba is very different in the book as well. I've heard. I've heard a few tidbits. <laughs> I do have a question about about your portrayal of Elphaba because you started playing her in, was it 2006 or seven? Uh, in 2006, I was a dancer swing in the show. Okay. And then about eight months into my run there, I became like an emergency cover um, because somebody hurt, hurt themselves. And at that point, the show had only been open for three-ish years. And, you know, there wasn't like a pool of people in New York or Chicago who, have, who they could pull from. So I internally covered it. And... Uh, I ended up going on, so I just remained like a an understudy for like a good year and a half, and then I and then I became the standby there. So I guess around two thousand eight, I became the standby, and that's when I started, I guess, quote unquote, playing playing her. Okay, cool. Oh, wow, I feel like that's pretty rare to be able to kind of rise that quickly through the show. Yeah, I mean it. Gosh, it felt long. It felt really long. Because then, you know, after I became the standby, um, I was a standby for a really long time. And from 2008 to 2013, I was a standby. And in in and out of companies as well. Um, So I was a standby. After Chicago closed, I became a standby on Broadway. And I was there for two and a half years as a standby. And... um, I, during that time, you know, I, I really, obviously, I wanted to play the role at some point, but I, looking back now, I'm so grateful I got that long amount of time as a standby to really learn the show in my body and, like, the whole pace of the show, because I guess that's an answer to your question from earlier is how, how have I been able to sustain this, um, but it's because I had a really good, like, foundation from the beginning, and I'm so grateful that I had that time to like build into like being able to sustain an eight show week for a long period of time once I was playing it. Wow. So when you first started playing the role versus, I mean, you probably played her sometime earlier this year. I'm sure you went on like in February or March. How much of your characterization of the role changed over those years? Oh, it's massively changed. And it's, it's wild to me that I could, I can still find moments and like light bulbs will go off in my brain. Like, Oh my God, that's what this means. Or, and and I, I really, it's not that I'm changing anything. It's just that it's becoming more layered and deeper. And I think that just comes with age, you know, and I'm, I'm one of those people, like I'm a dancer first. And I, you know, I didn't start taking like proper voice lessons until I was understudying alphabet. Um, Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. And I'd never taken like an acting class. Like I'd never done that training because everything was so geared at dance. And, you know, I, I think that for me, my process has really just been like with my life, you know, what, what's happening for me personally? How do I feel? What's happening in our world? You know, I was playing Alphabon Broadway in 2016 on that during that fateful time. Um, and it was, you know, I mean, and that's a personal, personal opinion of mine, but, um, you know, that massively changed for me because there's a very political message within Wicked as well. Um, and you can take that in all different ways, you know, absolutely politics, but like, you know, in general, how we treat people, how we look at differences in, in, in not the greatest ways and not good ways at all. Um, so it's really just changed with my life and what's been happening for me personally. It's, it's wild. It's, 
it's it's really beautiful too. And that's why I think I keep going back because I just continue to learn and, and become a better human and actor at the same time, I guess. I mean, Alphaba is one of the most iconic Broadway characters in theater history, I think. And there's just so much there. And the mute, the songs in Wicked, I like it was one of the musicals that got me into theater in general. And I was obsessed with it for like several years and then kind of like went away from it, you know, moved on through high school and college. It was always there and it was always something I loved. But re- coming, going back to, and seeing Wicked for the first time after I finished, I think it was at the, uh, it was actually at, at the 15 year performance. We went and saw the show. Jenny, I was sobbing, sobbing, watching Wicked, realizing, because at that point I had finally moved to New York. I was like, you know, doing my thing, trying to make, figure out my spot in the industry and was watching this show that had meant so much to me through my younger years. And it was specifically the character, like Defying Gravity. I was like, of course, there's such an emotional moment there. But during The Wizard and I, that song, I think might be like one of the best I want songs ever, but it is so beautiful. Just Alphabet's entire character progression. And I, watching the show, you know, at age 25 as opposed to age 14 or however young I was when I first saw it, I, it was like seeing it for the first time in new eyes and finally like understanding how political it is, or I should say how timely it still is. You know, they're talking about putting animals in cages. And meanwhile, people are being put in cages. And it's it's like the script didn't change. Nothing changed about Wicked. It is just so relevant and powerful. And I was learning new things while watching it. And I thought, gosh, what a, like a, I mean, magical piece of art that it, it continues to speak to people all this time later and speak to myself. I remember, Dylan, do you remember me sobbing like Full, at intermission? You were like, what's wrong? <laughs> you were like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's just amazing. And I think Alphaba is just the journey she goes on and the journey Glinda goes on. Amazing. And I think everyone can see themselves in it. And there's a reason Wicked's been on Broadway for 17 years, almost 17, 18 years. Almost 18, I'm bad with math. I think. <laughs> Jenny, same. I know, me too. Jenny, I'm like, same. I forget. <laughs> um, so you've played Elphaba in so many different cities, so many different countries. W- would you say that the audience is very different in different parts of the country and I guess different parts of the world? Like, do they respond to Wicked? No, differently? and that's what, like, it kind of ties back to what you're saying. It's, this show is, that's what's so special about it is that it's just so empowering. No matter your age or your your gender, your race, your, I mean, anything, like it, you can find a piece in each character and in the, even just with the ensemble, with the, the, that's why Wicked is so special. They did it. They just did it perfectly. It really is just so perfect, but it's the same everywhere. And I was expecting, especially in Korea, because that was the one country that I did it in that, you know, English isn't their first language. We did it in English, obviously. Um, but I was with the Australian company, so they were on their Asia tour, and I had previously done it with them in Sydney, so they brought me back for just their Seoul, um, Seoul Korea portion, which was five months in Seoul. And the audiences there, I mean, they were, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Korea, but they were so excited. Like, I mean, you're literally a rock star there when you're on stage and when they can come to you. But with translators and everything, you could tell that they just, they got it. They got the message. They didn't grow up watching The Wizard of Oz. That's not part of their culture. But the story of Wicked and the two female leads and, you know, I mean, it just spoke to them just the same. It was amazing. I mean, the only difference in Korea was that there was a bit of a lag on applause and laughter um, for jokes because they were reading prompters. Um, and there's a few different lines, like, um, while it seems the artichoke is steamed, artichokes apparently aren't very common in Korea, so they changed it to, well, it seems the broccoli is steamed. 
the black hole steamed. <laughs> Winnie Holzman, Winnie Holzman, genius playwright here making this swap. <laughs> that you that's know, iconic. It was it was really special. It was all of those experiences. In other countries, this might be a silly question, but do they use American accents when performing Wicked, like, for example, in London or, I guess, Australia, or do they use... In, so in London, they all use British accents or their, their own accents. I don't know if you guys... I mean, I didn't see it in London originally um, when Adina was there, but every character was, like, from a different kind of part of Europe, it seemed. <laughs> um, so there was, like, an Irish accent. There was, you know... a British accent. Um, I can't remember all of them, but uh, yeah, they use British accents there, and they they have a few changed uh, words as well. I think it was um, instead of we haven't received our our room. Oh God, now I'm like forgetting the lines. Quarantine. <laughs> um, they would say like my my room allocations. Oh, they don't say like I haven't gotten my flat allocation yet. I think the allocation, something like that, I think. Um, but they, but in um, Australia, they did it in American accents. Oh, but in London, the wizard is American accent. Oh, yeah. Oh, that gave me chills. That is so Ooh. cool. That, that, yeah. that tracks completely. It makes, it, it makes sense. And it was very helpful for me because I came in not with a British accent. And if you asked me to do a British accent, I would need some training. Um, I'm not very good with accents, um, but yeah, I had to sing though with like a really hard T, so to match with Glinda when I would sing with Glinda. So I it was all defying gravity, like and I I was hitting my T's very hard. It was interesting because when I got back, I was singing defying gravity T. That is gravity. Um... That's the T. I have a wicked thought and I'm like jumping on this and I feel like I'm like being such a wicked fan fanboy here, but okay. Can you refresh my memory? This is like some inside baseball. Okay. Sports reference. I know your jaws on the floor. You're like, Oh my God, he does it all. But, um, did the, did Alphaba used to do like an extended dance with yes, the wizard in wonderful? Why did they, why'd they cut that? I'm not sure why. When so all those changes happened when uh, London opened. So when they built the show in London, they built it a little differently. They added some stuff like uh, that whole scene that happens when Elphaba comes in with the book and she's like, "Hey!" Like she bumps into Fierro for the first time. That was all added. That wasn't there before. Um, oh wow! All of the you know the the books in. Um, Dancing Through Life, where the kids slapped them together, that was not there either. Like, we did all this different choreography before that, which was weird because I was a swing first and a dancer first, so I learned the whole show that way. And then eight months later, had to relearn all of nine tracks, you know, in this whole different way. Oh um, but yes, there was a dance in Wonderful, and then we did, like, a little waltzy thing. And then we would do like we're off to see the wizard kind of steps, um, yeah. But yeah, they cut that and they added a few little bits and bobs in there. But um, yeah, I'm not sure why. I think they just felt like it was tighter, like it felt tighter, and it made the story kind of move move a little quicker. I'm I know that some of the Glinda wigs changed too over the years. Yeah, they definitely, everything has gotten, like, more, like, I don't know how to explain that, but just more like, uh, like, a balloon. Like, if you were to blow up a balloon, just bigger, I guess. But, um, like, the, like the, the bubble dress has just, like, progressively gotten bigger. I don't know if you've seen, like, Kristen Chenoweth's bubble dress. I've seen a few photos, and it's almost, like, straight down, it seems. Like, compared to, like, now, it's, like, huge. But, Yeah. Full yeah. hoop skirt, like it's it's amazing. Um, one last thing about accents is we saw Carrie Ellis do it on Broadway. Um, were you with the? I would assuming you were with the show at the time. It was like two thousand eight. I was not? not when she was there. I think I joined after okay. she left. I replaced her in London, but which I was fun. like, oh my god, I'm, I was a fan. I was fangirling for sure. Um, 
Yeah, I fangirl a lot of the alphabets because um, they're all they're all great. Every every alphabet has like something so special. But um, did Carrie do an American accent on Broadway? She did an American accent, except there was only one moment where it peeked through. It was like during for good when she says i'm limited just look at me she's she it just came out as like just look at me <laughs> like it was all of a sudden it was like i was like oh why shouldn't didn't she do this the whole time <laughs> she was great and you know who was playing fiera was aaron Tveit. Oh. My, my world i know forever and oh always oh my god he's gonna be in a hallmark movie he's so talented and he's so dreamy of course like and mm-hmm. yeah so dreamy. of course he is um, Did you get a chance to see Moulin Rouge or no? Because I guess you've been in Wicked, so yeah, you I never had a chance. chance to see it. You know, I hope so. One day, I hope so soon. Now, when because you went back to being standby, was it last summer or two? Um, okay. Yeah. Do is it when you're standby for Wicked? Is it where you have to be in the building, or can you kind of be within like a certain mile radius? Uh, you know, we have to be in the building. Um, okay. I think they learned early on because um, before I was a standby on Broadway the first time in 2009, I think they used to have a radius that they could be at, but they had some issues because when Elphaba's down, she's down. So you have to be ready to get in that makeup um, and that makeup, you know, depending on how, how down the Elphaba is, like you, you need to be there to get makeup done. Um, but yeah, it's a, yeah, we have to be in the building. We can leave at a certain point. Because if you think about it, once Alphaba steps on stage for the second act, she's she's on stage. She does not have any breaks, no bathroom breaks, and uh, so she's she's going through. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Now I have to ask, just because we love Haley, we've mentioned Haley Pachoon a few times. What was it like playing opposite her oh on tour? God. Correct. Yes, on tour, and this was my first time playing the role full time. So that made it really special for me. But like Haley is, um, she's just, she's my best friend. She's my best friend. And um, I don't know what I'd do without her in my life. She's probably one of the most supportive, loving, generous, I mean, caring person. I could I, I could go on and on about her. Um, but being on stage with her, I... Uh, if you think about it like these two women like hate each other in the beginning and then they're obsessed with each other and that's not how Haley and I were we loved each other from the start but um you really like it's it's a very difficult show to do um these two roles especially um because it's long it's very uh strenuous on your body your voice physically and very it's very emotional and having her and in her strong woman lady power that she she has, um, it was it was a gift. It was a true gift, and she has remained my best friend since then. I call I talked to her right before I talked to you guys. <laughs> yeah, but um, speaking of like when you guys were talking about Naya Vera, like Haley's that same person. She will speak up for herself and speak up for others. And we need more people like her in this world. So um, I'm very fortunate to have her as my family, honestly. Oh, that is so be- I honestly got emotional when you were talking about her. You know, my heart starts to pound. But yeah, she- <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of when Oprah was talking about Gail King on Barbara Walt with Barbara Walters. She's like, she is the mother I know, ne- you know, yes. the sister I never had, whatever. But no, H- Haley is amazing. We we loved her, and then we got set up with her to do an episode of of our show together. And I feel like we clicked mm-hmm. immediately. Like we were just going. We talked about the Bachelor. I, I listened to it because uh, I watched the Bachelor too. So I'm all about the Bachelor and Bachelorette. But um, yeah, I listened uh, to it. She's like, I, I. That's what I said to her on the phone. I was like, Haley, you guys talked like a lot. Like I don't know if I'm. Gonna- anything to talk about in the way that you guys talked because it was like yeah. <laughs> but she's I so good confirm, we're doing this uh, one of my favorite episodes we've done in a long time so <laughs> wait okay jenny the bachelorette started filming on friday all of them i listen to i love podcasts i'm like a podcast junkie um, and so I listened to one and they were talking about how it was working with like getting tested for the virus and quarantine beforehand. I mean, it's so 
wild what they have to go through now. I know. And did you hear that there's going to be 41 men there for Claire? I think it's wow. ever. Wait, like on the show? Yeah. 41 suitors. Isn't it usually like 28 or 30? Yeah. And 20, 17 of them are from the originally announced cast that they, because they were supposed to start filming and then it got shut down like the day Mm -hmm. after Broadway got shut down. And then, so 17, I think, did I say that right? 17 of them are from that cast and then 25 of them are new. Two of them are from Cleveland, Dylan. I love that. I love um, Cleveland, P.S. So fun. That's where, that's where we're currently at now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Haley and I, um, we lived together in Cleveland on tour. And it was during Christmas. And it was a really special. Yeah. It was a really special one. Yeah. That's so cute. I love that. Um, but, yeah, I can't believe they started filming already. I guess they're at this huge resort. And it's going to f- be spacious. And it's going to feel like... Like any normal season yeah. of The Bachelor, I guess. I doubt I doubt they'll air the COVID talk on the show, but I'm sure that's that's one of the big things that they'll all be talking about. Wondering that too, if they were gonna like talk about it in their, you know, their interviews, like when you you know, you pan to like them sitting in a spot and doing their yeah. whatever they call them. Um but yeah, I wonder. But I I also heard that they were living in their own rooms, like they had their own rooms to themselves. I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Which is so different because that whole, that takes the whole aspect away of like living in the house together, like having that, the drama that happens Mm -hmm. being in the house together, you know? So it's going to be fascinating. Yeah. All the tension you, because normally I guess they can't escape each other. They're in like a hotel suite or something as it goes on. So that's a good point. This is going to be different. What are your thoughts on Claire, Jenny? I love her and she gives me hope. Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, I think she's so strong and like every interview I've, I've listened to of her more recently, I'm just like, this is, this is a great woman to have the, the Bachelorette because she's just like, she knows what, she knows who she is um, right now in her life and she knows what she deserves and she's not going to take any, you know, yes, that's going to, probably come up um so i'm really really excited and i'm rooting for her and i just hope it I hope it works out i mean i feel like i thought about these people like i know them um but well you, <laughs> in a way they're they've opened up their lives to us that's what's weird about reality tv is we do know like everything about them and in some cases they've been in our lives yes. for years so we want to see them succeed, you know? I think Claire's awesome. She's another person who's going to be honest, doesn't put up with anything. She's, I think she's going to be great. Yeah. I know I know you two probably know more than me about Bachelor Nation, but what are your thoughts about Matt James as The Bachelor? He is so cute. So oh, my cute. gosh. Maybe, maybe one of the hottest Bachelors they've ever had. Oh, 100%. And he... And from the way that his friends talk about him, I think he's going to be a really great stand-up guy. And it's, you know, it's about time that that world did that because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, The Bachelors, it's been just a bunch of white people. And it's, I'm really happy that they finally made that decision. And, you know, I'm really excited to see him in like a bathing suit as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to need like, we're going to need the cuz when it shows them getting ready and they shower and it's like tasteful we're we're going to need that like oh my god and especially if they do it like they do bachelorette where it's on a resort he'll be in a suit every episode yeah. so it's going to be great and he sounds like he sounds like a really nice guy too yeah. <laughs> as well. so i didn't realize they're not doing it at the bachelor mansion no, it's going to be weird without the Bachelor Mansion. No. Yeah, the only other time they didn't was with Emily Maynard when they did it in Charlotte North Carolina? Good no. memory. I forgot about that completely, but I did watch that season. I was oddly attached to her. I don't know. Yeah. I think that she was like really strong in her moment <laughs> when she was like, get the F out or whatever. That that was like a moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love the Bachelor and Bachelorette. I know. It's so fun. <laughs> I love it so much. 
We could talk about it forever. Wait, I, I do have to ask you a question because I feel like I we normally ask this earlier. We like to talk to our guests about a ring of keys moment as it relates to a life in the arts. Do you feel like you had one of those? Absolutely. Well, let me uh, first start with saying that I grew up and my uncle was um, a performer. Uh, so I went to go see him in shows. He brought me my the first live show I saw was The Wizard of Oz at Radio City Music Hall when I was probably three or four years old. Um, and I don't really remember much, but I remember like a house, house like lifting up and like floating over the, like the mezzanine. Um, maybe that bed didn't actually happen, but in my three, four-year-old brain it did. Um, and it, it was, <laughs> it did, it did, it happened. Um, and I loved it, but uh, I, I knew that I wanted to be on stage from the moment that I could tell my parents that in words. Um, but I think what really solidified it for me, my ring of keys, um, was seeing the movie musical Gypsy starring Miss Natalie Wood. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I'm like a diehard fan of hers. Um, and, uh, I just talk about magnetic on film. Um, but that show and that role and those characters, Mama Rose and everything. But um, I just kind of became so fascinated with her um, and just following her career. So like when I was probably my first job, when I was on Mama Mia, I got one of her biographies and I read it through, but I watched her movies. This is what I like to do with biographies. I watch the movies of the person as I'm reading. So I can kind of like understand where they were in their life, right? You know, as an actor, like what were they bringing in? You know, what relationships were they in? What was their family dynamic like? Were they, did they have children? Because um, I feel like for me that, that also plays into my um, method of acting, you know? And I just find it really fascinating to watch actors um, and, and knowing where they are or where they were at that time in their personal lives. That is brilliant. I do it with like, I do it now with like current stuff, like I'll IMDB, like, I mean, that's like my favorite website ever, but I'll, if I watch a movie, I'll IMDB like the year and understand, try and understand like where they were and then I'll start researching like what they were doing during that year. And I, I just find it so wild to think in that way. You're like a dramaturg. Oh, I love that. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did you watch the HBO uh, documentary about Natalie Wood. We started it, and for some reason, just um, yeah, didn't get like we got interrupted or something. Another sad, yeah. sad ending there. I know, I know. Very uh, connected with with Naya in that way. Water, yeah. Um, which was so weird that like uh, Natalie always had that kind of premonition, or her mom had that premonition that she was going to die in water. So she always kept Natalie from the water. And then she ended up drowning in water um, or possibly something else may have happened. Which, Speaking of the HBO documentary, I felt like it was very much produced by the Wagners. Um, that's how it came across to me, um, which is all great because you should always hear both sides of the story. But there's one side, there's the other side, and then there's the truth. So who, we, we will probably never know. And sadly, and as well as like with Naya, like we won't really know or understand what really happened. So, but it's fascinating to me. It is fascinating. I mean, and with Natalie, it's like, wasn't she was on the boat with two guys? Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. They know what happened. And, and it's, it, to me, I mean, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but just thinking about it. Oh yeah. There was something going on. I mean, come on. Something happened. Um, and I, you know, what's really crazy. It's the first time I was reading it. I, I put it next to me because I wanted to show you how like beat up and old it is. It's like coming apart. But, um, I was reading this book in the airport when I was on tour. Oh my God, it's totally falling apart. Um, in the airport when I was on tour with Mama Mia, um, and I was sitting there like this and Robert Wagner walked by me. No, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I was like. Uh, like I didn't know what to do. I wish social media was that there then, because I would have been like story time. I mean, it was it was crazy. I've always felt very like 
weirdly connected with her, like in this like spirit kind of way. And maybe that's just my own like I wishful thinking, but like it was crazy to for that to happen. That is insane. That's also so beautiful. I mean, like she was remarkable. And I mean, I'm really honestly only familiar with her from some of those old movies, like, of course, West Side Story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did Rebel Without a Cause. So good. So many. Yeah. And she got an Oscar nomination for it. And I remember there was a story about like, the director didn't see her in the role. And then she got, there was like some, she ended up in the hospital for some wild night out or something. And he like ran to the hospital and he was like, okay, I think I can see the like grit in you, the angst. Like, I think you can play this part now. I probably just butchered that story, but I remember reading something like that once where that's how she ended up getting the role in Rebel because everyone saw her as this like sweet ingenue. She had such a hard time in her career getting those like grittier roles because everybody viewed her as this like perfect kind of placed like a proper type of like a girl, I guess, you know, or playing those grown up like, like woman roles, you know, she had a hard time. Like she was still in grades when she was like 18 years old, trying like playing kids. And it was probably very frustrating for her. I can imagine. And it's the same in our industry too. It's like once you're pigeonholed, pigeonholed into this type You know, it's very hard to prove to directors, producers, and people that you can do other things. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, has that been a struggle for you? Do you think that people will see Elphaba? Because I know that you still, you'll post about like going to different dance calls or auditions. Yeah. You would when they still were happening. Would that be something that would kind of be something you'd have to overcome? Yeah, you know, I think... For me, like my career has changed so much in that, or, or my priorities have changed so much in my real life that, I mean, I am pushing and I'm pounding the pavement when, 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 when I can, um, but it is more like selective at this point. And not that I wouldn't take a job because I, I truly believe in like take the opportunities that are given and we're all so lucky to be working. Um, but I, uh, Yes, I think, you know, I, I'm the, the longest running Alphaba for like 13 years, uh, well, 12, and uh, not longest running Alphaba. I'm the longest, I guess, person that's played it for this many years. Um, yes. I, that's what people know who I am, you know. Uh, I would love to be in like a traditional musical theater show and dance and sing at the same time. Like Sutton Foster is another, like, I... I, I want to be her like standby, not in the music man because I'm not I wouldn't be right for that show. <laughs> but, but like anything that she's done, like Millie or you know, I, I mean anything that where she's like that's like my the type that I would like to do. But I think it is hard. It's hard. I don't know. It, I think a lot of actors have a really hard time like trying to be like, hey, I'm a dancer, but I can sing. No, I'm. I, I want to understudy this role. It's, it's very difficult. It does take time. Especially if, and like, I know nothing about your representation, but it's like, especially if your representation kept, keeps putting you up for the same type of roles over and over again, I can imagine it would be hard to even be seen. Yeah. You know I mean, so. I mean it's, it's tough. And it's, um, there's so many other elements that go into casting that aren't even necessarily geared towards like your talent or uh, your type like there's just so many elements to to the casting world that like I'm not even aware of so I really just like I went to that Hamilton open dance call like (laughs) because I was like I love well one I love Hamilton I treated it more like you know what I want to see if my body is still working in this way um and I treated it as like a free awesome dance class and I got to learn this awesome choreography and I when I left the room, it was like, okay, that's done. You know, like maybe something will come of it someday down the road. Um, but you know, I was like, that, that, that's kind of how like, you have to treat this world so that you're not like completely beaten down all the time because you hear no all the time. <laughs> uh, and I definitely don't think I would have a thick skin for it. I mean, 
this is I'm just this is top of mind and we might end up cutting this out of this but we we got a no from someone that we had really been chasing for a long time to record an episode with and I was devastated and and I was like you know thank goodness I'm not a performer because getting told no sucks so badly and you're like if I you're like well I don't know why they would say no I see it a certain way and but like you said, the casting side, there's so many things that go into it. There might be something, it might be because of who's playing opposite yeah. or, you know, you're not the right height. It's just so fascinating and sad. I know. And it's it's hard not to take it personally because this is like what you love to do and you put your heart and soul into it, which makes it very different than like the business world where when you hear no, it's like, okay, well, you know, fact A, fact B, fact C, fact D, like come into play. But, you know, like being told no for your podcast or being told no at an audition, when you didn't get it, you're like, well, what's wrong with me? That's the first thing that kind of like starts to circle in your brain. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying I don't do that anymore because I absolutely do. But it's like it's that whole uh, saying where it's like, you know, you, you really can't judge a book by its cover. And it goes through all these different in all different ways. Um. Because you have no idea what that person who said no to you would, what they're doing, what they're going through, what Mm -hmm. they're trying to like portray in their career, you know, whatever it, the story may be, you just never know. And you can't take it, can't let it hurt. (laughs) You are so wise and Jules is so lucky to have a mother like you who will be able to instill these lessons because as an actress and a dancer and you probably have just experienced so much and grown so much that she's she's going to have just like those endless, you know, like in Full House when like Danny Tanner would like sit down and like talk to the girls and the sad <laughs> violins would start playing. Like you're going to be able to have those amazing life talks with her and I, she's lucky. That's You know what? <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so sweet for you to say because most days I feel like I'm failing <laughs> as a parent. I mean, this time has been very challenging with everything going on in the world and for parent of a very small child um you know and being stuck inside for hours uh-huh. days um at end it's it's been very challenging but you know she teaches me and i listen to a lot of podcasts i have a lot of like um i do a lot of research and and just try to stay as as um honest with her as possible and talk to her so she feels safe talking to me i just always want her to feel like she can talk to me because as a as a kid like or uh, as a kid like that's like something like you you can sometimes be scared to talk to your parents about things and I just always want to have an open honest conversation for her to come to so and and you know it's hard it's difficult especially when your child is like climbing on the walls and like <laughs> jumping off the couch and screaming at the top of their lungs <laughs> For no reason at all. <laughs> Do you think that she has performing in her future? I know she's an artist, as we see by her her portrait, but she, I think, she could if she wants. Um, I would never push that on her, but she definitely has like an ear for music. Like she's she has good rhythm. Like I can tell that she keeps in with a beat. She has really good pitch. <laughs> um, but she's more just engaging in general. Like if we're walking down the street, she'll be like, hey, how you doing? Like, can I pet your dog? Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know if like, uh, I've been doing these like cooking videos with her. Yeah, they're so cute. Oh my God. She's just so funny. She's hysterical. And so like animated in her face. I don't know. We'll see what, what she ends up like gravitating towards. But I don't know. She's just dy- a dynamic lady little lady she's fierce i love it okay so we're running towards the end of this episode which i'm like so sad about but we like to wrap up on a dose of drama which i know we've been like kind of dramatic this episode in general so if you don't have anything new like totally get it but you know it could be a piece of content you're consuming or anything going on in your life or the world that's just top of mind and um I'm going to start because it's like kind of in theme with what we've yeah, been so- talking about a little bit. But so in addition to The Bachelorette starting filming last week, The Real Housewives of Orange County and New Jersey are also starting up with filming their seasons. And I'm 
I'm happy because I'm like I, the idea of normalcy resuming makes makes me feel excited and comforted in a lot of ways. And then my drama, what makes me feel dramatic about it is the other side of that is it makes me feel absolutely terrified because aside from like social distancing and more testing becoming available, nothing's changed in terms of the virus. So. Although things seem to be going back to normal, quote unquote, it does make me a little bit nervous that filming on these projects are coming. And like, I don't think I don't see the Real Housewives wearing masks to film their their show, you know, so unless they're like being super quarantined when they're filming it, I am like so intrigued to see how it all shakes out. But I don't know, filming a reality show during a pandemic. I mean, it's not for me, but I'll certainly watch it later. <laughs> so weird. I don't know how they're going to do that. They're drama. Drama, drama. <laughs> A lot of drama. <laughs> I spent my I spent my early quarantine watching Real Housewives of New York, and then I went on to Beverly Hills, and now I'm on Potomac, and. It's it's too much Bravo. Like I need to like switch it up. I didn't even know Potomac existed. Me neither. Until I walked walked in on Connor watching it last night. Yeah, they they bring it in a way that the others don't because unlike New York and Beverly Hills, where there's like a sense of celebrity, these are true, you know, Maryland based housewives that aren't in. Th- I don't know, they're not on both sides of the coast where like the entertainment hubs are and there's not like a sense of celebrity there. So watching them interact, it does feel a lot more natural in a way. I mean, now I'm on like season two and they're, they understand they're on a reality show now and they understand how people react to them, which is always interesting to watch like a first season compared to a second. But um, it's good. Like they are very authentic, at least so far. So um, I'll have to go and go and watch that. I'm, I catch up with Real Housewives like, I haven't like watched seasons through unless it was New York. I did and New Jersey. I did at the beginning. They were drama. Um, drama. I just want to say that word all the time. We love it. <laughs> that's why we. That's why. That's why we named our podcast drama because it was a catchphrase that we always had. We'd always just say it in re yeah. in reaction to everything. And so we were like when we were thinking of the title of the podcast we were like well it has to be drama because not only is it a catchphrase but it encapsulates <laughs> pop culture and life and theater and it's like perfect yes. for what we want to talk about hashtag so. drama <laughs> hashtag drama yes dylan or jenny do you have a dose of drama so i guess i don't really have drama happening that i can really talk about but i guess a blessing i know a blessing it is um i you know just the normal pandemic slash world of falling apart um but i have been finding myself needing to watch movies and indulge in like tv shows that are comforting to me like i haven't really been able to like branch out into new material that much because especially if it's like really heavy um so i've been like you know watching friends because it's on hbo max now yes 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 (laughs) they took it off of um netflix P.S. This is uh, something that my uh, standby partner in crime, Brittany Johnson, and I have in common, but we are obsessed with friends. So that has been like on my television in the background for this entire like pandemic time because it just gives me like a sense of like, I don't know, relaxation. And it's always kind of been that way in my life. But, um, but yeah, Brittany and I, we, we always wanted to start like a friends trivia kind of thing i guess friends is like kind of not it's before your time i don't know if you guys indulged in it very much but um we'd always have it on like you're talking about in the background when we had our first apartment together in columbus ohio we would because it was always on nick at night like it would just they would air it like in a couple hour blocks and whether we were watching it or not it was just sort of on i couldn't tell you what was happening but it is a sense of comfort. And I, I, I say that hesitantly because I've never really watched it and I can't say like, oh, I, I've, I know all the characters and everything about it, but that's kind of how I feel about like RuPaul's Drag Race or just putting on like, <sighs> movies and things like that that I've seen already. Yeah. And so it's not like I'm going to be disappointed all over again with something or heartbroken all over again when there's enough of that going on that. Yeah. Because you know how it ends. I know, because you know how it ends and you're prepared for it and this whole time has been how is this going to end like how is the pandemic going to end how how is the black lives matter movement hopefully 
there's a lot of change coming in this world mm-hmm. for good because how is this going to end? Like, I mean, that's like the question now. And I think like, you know, obviously I'm doing doses of reading and, and educating myself as well during this time, like politically so much, but, um, and, and trying to, but I have to do it in doses because self-care is so important right now. And friends just like, I don't know, there's some, you know, and therapy, but friends is something that like, really levels me out for some reason it like helps me relax so i love that it's not really drama but that's my i mean the rest of the world is drama right now so if that's what i do to to negate the drama <laughs> no that's that 100% speaks to us. We talk about things like that all the time. We'll be like, we have all these movies like on our HBO watch list or our Netflix queue and it's like movies like um the theory of everything or things like that and I'm like I just don't have the heart right now to watch these like heavy Oscar movies. Like I have to be in a certain mood. Like it's I'd rather watch something simple and <laughs> yeah, lighthearted. I watched that Amy uh, Schumer documentary, The Expecting Amy. Have you guys seen it? No, but I love. No, I love I her, love and her. it's so good. And as a mom, you're just like, F yes, you are a powerful woman who made life. And I mean, I was very lucky. I had a very easy pregnancy. And I cannot imagine what she went through. But it, that, like, real life stuff is is... I can find myself watching stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Oh my God. Like talk about a dramatic pregnancy, like for traumatic pregnancy, but she did it. I remember. Yes. And does she have a daughter or a son? A son. Yeah. She has a son. And he has like a really cute name. Oh my God. I miss her show. I miss like, yeah, I just miss things. I miss everything. (laughs) (laughs) I miss everything. (laughs) Um, Well, I agree with you, Jenny. My dose of drama is a plea to Twitter support because I was updating our social media accounts this past week. And I was like, oh, like, what was the day we launched the podcast? I'll make that the birthday on our Twitter account. And so it was like November 4th, 2019. And... I changed it. And then moments later, Twitter emailed me and said, you're underneath our age requirement of being 13 years old. We have deactivated your account and suspended it. You can make an appeal to this, but you violated our terms of service. <laughs> and I'm oh just, I have to laugh. I have to laugh. But I immediately, like, you had to, like, take a picture of your license to prove that you're over 13. And it's been... I hope by the time this episode comes out, it will have it will be back because, you know, we got to spread the good word about this episode. Thank God our Instagram is still out there, but it is drama and I'm so sad that our Twitter is gone. And if it's gone forever, <laughs> maybe a new one will have to be started, but I have a good feeling it'll be back. <laughs> oh, darn. That I, I kind of have like stopped using Twitter. Like, I don't know the last time I posted, but it's been years, but yeah, that's, that's a lot of work for like something so superficial. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, yes. how could like a one-year-old type in their birthday on a computer? Like, it's right. just, that's not possible. Ridiculous. But, you know. <laughs> God, I, I made a MySpace on a fake email address in 2005. So I can't, I don't even know. Technology has changed so much with how they um, react to creating accounts and changing it. Those people that must be on the computer, like looking for people with, like using music that can't go on and then they like Mm -hmm. shut me down. Like, um, I just, that's so much. It's a lot. Oh yeah. That's why we can't, we don't put any music in the podcast that it like the theme song my boyfriend wrote. So we own that, but like, we can't, we just don't want to get like slapped with fines one day or like people say there's like that 30 second rule that you can play up to 30 seconds of something. But I think that's made up. Uh, Who knows? Better safe than sorry. Yes. 100%. Just like wearing a mask. Better safe than sorry. Wear a damn safe sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of Twitter and social media, everyone should follow you, Jenny, at Jenny Denoya. It's Denoya, right? I'm getting that right? Okay. Denoya. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, follow at the Drama Podcast on Instagram for now. <laughs> <laughs> 
and search for us on Twitter. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be back by the time everybody yeah. hears this episode. <laughs> but Jenny, thank you so much for doing this. We are such fans, and I am unabashedly going to say that because we like it is like truly surreal to sit here and talk to you when I've watched videos of you on YouTube for years, all all on public press performances, of course. Of course, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially you did something with Ryan McCartan. Um, yeah. Like the Pierre, Broadway at the Pierre or something like that. It was like, you guys. That was with Michael Campagnol. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that was you fun. as long as you're with Ryan at something now. Yeah, at the um, the Time Warner building. Or, yeah, uh, we did like a, it, it, it's kind of like an offset to like Broadway in the Park kind of thing. They, they do like a, a series of Broadway shows that perform there. Yes, it was amazing. Like absolutely amazing. And that's that my only time ever performing with them. I never went on. Did I go on with them? See, this is my brain. I can't remember. I've wanted to make a list of all the people I've done the show with. And I'm like, I can't remember. <laughs> I was going to say you should, because you've, I mean, definitely played opposite more Fieros and Glinda's and with everyone than anyone else. Like you name, you name them and I probably have done the show with them <laughs> at some point, but I won't be able to tell you like where or when. <laughs> Um, or stood by for them, honestly, too, because the, yeah. did you stand by for Dee in Chicago? Yes. Well, Dee is my, I, she's a dear friend, but she's like my alpha um, when, when you think about those people. Because when I joined Chicago, sorry, this is going on forever. No, um, no. She was the standby and I was in the ensemble and I watched her go from standby to getting moved up. She replaced um, Christy Cates, I believe. She was our first alpha Oh, mine too. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. How funny is that? Uh, but um, I stood by for her in Chicago, and I because I eventually became the standby there, and then I stood by for her in New York, and I just love her. She's kind of like in that same like I don't know. She's just a good human in general, like, and I adore her, and she's super talented. I learned a lot from her. Oh, that's so. Sp- I'm from everything I've heard about the Green Girl Sisterhood of all the Alphabas. It is just like a club I will never be a part of, and I respect that. But like, I envy it from afar. Like, it's, it's a club that needs to be real. Like, there needs to be like a full support group for Alphabas, um, and there is. Like, we all support each other, um, and I think it's like once you play this role, you just get it. There's something that people just can't understand what it's like to play this role and that could be its own show in itself um but yeah it's 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 a wonderful sisterhood that i'm I'm very proud to be a part of uh well we're so thankful for you and your talent and everything you've brought to the world over this i mean it's been like what 13 years so the, the best is yet to come and jules will get to see it all and listen to this one day and i hope so that'll be so cool (laughs) well thank you jenny you are amazing and everyone follow jenny follow me at connor mcdowell and dylan at dylan mcdowell and hopefully our twitter (laughs) comes back um dylan yes connor i think that i'll just see you next time drama Drama.